It's been a week of ups and downs across independent league baseball, and we're going to cover both the peaks and the valleys. You don't want to miss this episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. All right, we are back again. Episode number 177, I think, of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick. He's Will. And, uh, yeah, 178. Yeah, when I don't have the notebook nearby, that me- that mistake gets uh, made a lot. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, there's so many episodes at this point. Like, how do you, you know, like, I, like, I can totally see it, like, at least off the top of your head, if you're not, like, studying this beforehand and, I mean... Your cold opens are not pre pre rehearsed. We'll just say that. So um, I think that it's it's pretty easy to lose track of uh, of the numbers as they continue to climb higher and higher. Yeah, I mean that that is true. I mean we're nearly at four full years worth of episodes, which is kind of weird to think about because all the nineteen or almost all of nineteen, like a couple weeks in January, were missed. But whatever there, and I guess actually not a couple in uh, August too, but. Then it was all of 20, all of 21, and now thus far, every week in 22. So pretty much three and a half, four years full, which is kind of weird to think we're going to be going on to like year five next week, or next, not next week, but next year. But uh, that's all in the future. But yeah, no, it's hard to keep track of sometimes. Really, the goal is to get to 365, so there's one day, one for every day of the year, which, you know, <laughs> still got uh, ways to go <laughs> to reach that plateau. Oh, but. yeah. But uh, what we don't have a ways to go to reach is the uh, discussion for this week, which is going to hit up all four leagues. We're going to get the Frontier League, Atlantic League, Pioneer League, American Association, the whole the whole gamut of them, <clears throat> starting, of course, as usual, in the Frontier League, because we have had a lot of fluctuation over there. We saw some very improbable things. When we were talking to you last week, we were saying, oh, Windy City just lost to the Grays. I kind of want to drag them, but it's one loss. I can't drag them quite yet. And then they went ahead and lost the series. Nearly were swept by the Grays, so they'll be dragged in due time. Don't don't you worry. We're going to get to them in a minute. But more importantly than that, the Empire State Grays have a better 10-game record than the team leading their division in the Quebec Capitals. Because if you remember last week when we talked to you, we had said, oh, well, Quebec and Washington are playing this series. Washington won game one, but this is going to be a big show-me series. You know, got the two best teams in the league. They're going head-to-head. We'll see where this goes. Quebec's just fallen off a cliff really, really hard since then. Seven straight in a row they lost, swept by Washington, swept by New Jersey, now lost another one last night. They are kind of just spiraling downward right now and I mean of course they still have an over 640 winning percentage still 20 games above 500 but all of a sudden you have the Miners and Titans at 41 and 29 creeping right up on them then you have Tri-City in New York and honestly Three Rivers only a half game behind those other the first two I mentioned there in you know New York and Tri-City all with 37 wins so you have a lot of a lot of a race still going on here now obviously there's still a lot to overcome because there's three teams in front of the, the latter, lower half of those three teams that I mentioned. But even still, the East has kind of gotten real crazy here. And over in the West, I mean, it's it's starting to settle down more. But Washington's really kind of saying, look, we are the dominant team now. They do technically have a game better record, 46 and 24 versus tw- 45 and 24. Uh, the East is really where we're going to focus the attention on this week because, I mean, that's where there's a lot of movement. Uh, so far. Well, quickly before I before I get to all, all the madness in the East, I think that the, the the series at least last week that finished last weekend uh, between Washington and Quebec. I mean, that was a big statement series from Washington. It was not uh, it was not necessarily a divisional series at all, but uh, but a really a big statement series for the Wild Things at home to sweep Quebec. Uh, and little did we know. I mean, at the time, I think. Uh, I think everyone kind of just ch- kind of just ch- chuckled it, chucked it up to uh, just a bad series against a very good team. Yeah. Uh, but Quebec is really struggling right now. The them winning the East Division no longer a foregone conclusion. Now, with that being said, even though it's no longer a foregone conclusion, is it time to panic? No, I don't think it is. Uh, they they did. Their offense right now is really struggling, and I think that. And while the pitching end of things hasn't been 
particularly good either. Uh, the, the offense for Quebec, uh, really, they, they struggled in the Washington series. And against the Jackals, who's not a good pitching staff at all. I mean, you're talking about only scoring over two runs one time in that series, and that was an 11 to five loss. So uh, I think I wouldn't be that worried about it, uh, at least for now. Uh, for if I was a, a fan of the Capitals, and I'd say that just because it's such a long season, and Quebec really had never gone through a stretch like this, uh, and they'd never really had much of a slump at all during the season, but perhaps mm-hmm. some. 500 stretches in between 10 games and whatnot, but uh, we've never really seen them have this kind of a stretch uh, in this season where they've largely just dominated and running away uh, looks or looks like they were running away with the East, but every team goes through these type of stretches. Every Most teams, maybe not the Empire State Grays, although they did win two in a row, uh, but they'll have a stretch where they're or where they get hot. Uh, for Quebec, this, this stretch of this, this losing stretch is coming right now. Can they weather the storm and stop the bleeding? I think that's what, uh, I think that's what we're going to have to find out and what we're going to have to revisit next week because, uh, it was definitely surprising to say the least. And especially with a series, uh, at home against three rivers that they already lost game one of. I mean, that's a that's a winnable series for them, even though Three Rivers probably a little bit, probably not as good, I think, as their record shows. I don't think they're as good as a over, four over 500 team just because of a lot of those wins coming against Empire State. So a lot of those records in the East are kind of bloated a little bit as opposed as opposed to the Western Division. Uh, but they got a lot of home games coming up uh, with Three Rivers, Tri-City as well next week. You would think they'd be able to get it back on track, so I don't think it's time to panic yet. Uh, however, could we revisit this next week? And they, they've lost 11 of 12 or something, or, or 11 out of 13 at that point or something. Then maybe it's time for a different conversation. But I think as of right now, I think I'm I'm more prepared to chalk it up to, hey, it's a stretch that uh, that most teams go through, even the really, really good ones. I mean, a 108-win Red Sox team in 2018, of course, had, had their had their period of, str- of struggling in August. I mean, the Yankees this year had their period where they – we're playing so-so baseball for about two weeks. Uh, it happens, uh, but I think it'll be interesting to see when Quebec, when slash if Quebec can get it back on track, uh, because they're uh, they're a team that I mean they're still up four games, so it's a sizable lead in the division. Uh, but you can't slide much further, or else I think it could be time for a different conversation then, but not yet. I would agree with a lot of that. I will say I think uh, Three Rivers is a solid team. I've been saying that since the beginning of the year when we did the preview. I still yeah, think they, right. they have a lot that. there. Uh, but even if you wanted to go ahead and kind of include them in there as the kind of weaker half teams, which I'd be willing to have that debate. I'd be probably willing to see some guys. They're probably in the, the lower tier if we're going to split these teams in half in the East. There really aren't too many other lower kind of teams. You have two more against uh, Three Rivers this week, today and tomorrow. Uh, then you have a three-game set at home against the Valley Cats, and you go to Ottawa for three, go to Three Rivers for three, go back home to play Ottawa for another three, then go back to Three Rivers for three. Then you do have a nice little home stand to finish the year where you go Sussex to New Jersey, to Ottawa. So there's some really, really tough teams in there. If you say that you can even go 500 against uh, Three Rivers, maybe a little above, the only other series I see that's a slam dunk if you're Quebec is New Jersey, and you just struggled to finish them off. And these losses, going back to the uh, Lake Erie series even, when their struggles first kind of started to form up, games 1 and 2 of that series, 6-1 and then 6-4 losses. They do win a 3-0 game in Game 3, but then since this losing skit started, this seven-game streak, it's 6-2, 8-3, 5-4. 5-4 was in 11 innings of play. Uh, Then you go to New Jersey, it was 11-5, 5-2, then 6-2, and then last night was a 2-1 loss. So the offense, I think, is a bigger concern here. You see only once do they get over four runs, really only twice over three runs, and one of those times required extra innings to do that. So that is a little bit more of a concern to me than the pitching is. I think the pitching, you kind of figure it out. But if you 
if you're not really hitting, then that's a major problem. But I will say I, I agree on the point of it's not really panic time yet. They've built themselves such a cushion where it really allows you to have the struggle right now. It's just a matter of you can't afford to keep struggling, especially against teams like Ottawa that you have a lot of games against still and who are only four games back of you. Now, Grand Ottawa has been playing 500 baseball as of recent, but you have a team in Sussex County that, why, yes, they almost lost to the Grays, but they did manage to pull that out, complete the sweep of the Grays. They're also only four games back. They've won their last five in a row. They're eight and two in their last 10. And then you have a Boulders team that's really kind of started to get it going. They're, you know, just outside of a playoffs, but they're three and a half back. That's not exactly easy to make up in August, but it also isn't impossible to make up in August either. So I wouldn't be shocked to see them do something. Same thing with Tri-City, who's been very hot since the All-Star break. And like I said, Three Rivers has been playing better as of recent too. So that whole division is really kind of clawing for those spots here. So you can't afford to miss that much more ground when you only have, say, a seven and a half game cushion against teams that you're about to start playing a lot. So out of all the teams I'd list, New York's probably in the worst spot. They don't really have too many games against the Quebec team that is more reeling. And you have teams that are in front of you that are very hot right now, hotter than you are. So it's not really going to help you uh, all too much. But I do think on the point, Quebec, it's not panic time yet. But I will say I think you really need a decent week here. Even if decent is 500, you can't keep the skid going. If we're back next week and we're like, oh, well, you know, they were, you know, there's now three and seven in their last 10 or there's something to that extent that's not probably good enough just because you have Ottawa and Sussex County that are right on their heels with a much better schedule than what Quebec has. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, uh, a good point about the schedule, and especially the, those head-to-head matchups uh, between Quebec and Ottawa, I believe nine still to go yep. uh, during the regular season. So I, I think that's certainly something to monitor. Uh, but I think that, I mean, Sussex County is playing really good baseball right now as well. So I agree. It's more of a, instead of a time to panic, it's more time, it's more time to be like, Hmm. Okay. I guess this team is. I guess this team is beatable. I guess this team um, is not the the invincible team we kind of thought they were for a little over the first half of the season. Uh, however, I, I still think that uh, the talent is there. I would think that they're still um, going to be able to right the ship and pull out this division in the end. And of course, still a four game cushion is nothing to sneeze at anyway. Uh, so I, I think they'll be okay, but a very telling week upcoming uh, for the Capitals. Absolutely. And I do just want to take some time just to talk about the miners real quick. I really am starting to think that if Quebec isn't able to pull out the tailspin, which I think they will, I think ultimately they're going to, but you know, it's still a possibility. Don't, they have a really nice schedule set up. They have a big series against Ottawa. They still have two in that series. Uh, then they have three rivers for three. Then their next nine after that are New Jersey for three, Empire State for three, and then New York for three. Then they get to continue their home game stand, like their home stand there, uh, with another three against Empire State. And then they don't really face a challenge at the end of the month. And even then, they get to end off the year with a three-game homestead against New, New Jersey. That's a very, very nice setup they got right there. You know, they, there's a lot of very winnable games on that schedule. And if anything, I almost like them better because of the schedule and because they're starting to really figure it out. A team that we maybe weren't high on in the beginning of the year, just based off of their play to start the year. They really have started to make their move, I think. Yeah, they've definitely made their move, and uh, and I think and as well as the point about the schedule is uh, is very important. I think to to emphasize as well, just because of um, a winnable games against the Boulders. I mean, a very very long home stretch uh, incoming that could really shoot them up the standings, and also puts a lot of pressure on uh, on Quebec because uh, Quebec there's just not really a lot of margin for error for them uh when sussex is one playing this well and two um having these kind of teams on their schedule now granted they still have a a tough ottawa series this weekend on the road uh, and then following the three rivers at home i think that after that if they can if sussex Sussex county can continue to play uh the way that they are the the way that they are and playing uh like seven and three kind of baseball 
going into their going into their series uh, against the Jackals and Empire State and the Boulders and Empire State. I mean, that's a dangerous team when you're going to look at the standings because those wins all count the same and they add up quickly. Uh, especially if Quebec is not is struggling and not playing great baseball right now. But this is a, a, certainly a Sussex County team that is really putting it together, putting it together at the right time. Uh, I might add, and the schedule is looking is kind of looking like it's falling into place. Uh, for, so for for them, I mean, the Miners fans, I think, should be really excited, um, especially as they, uh, for one, and most importantly, trying to put away a playoff spot. We don't want to. Um, yeah, push that to the, we don't definitely want to push that to the side because uh, they still they have a three and a half game lead for that last for that last uh, playoff spot in the in the Eastern Division. So first and foremost, before we start talking about them going to Quebec, trying to catch Quebec, they got to they got to protect their own house too, and they got to get in the playoffs. So that would make me feel good on that end. Uh, however, I think when you're when you're comparing that uh, to Quebec, I think that. Uh, and their more difficult schedule. I think Sussex is definitely a team to watch out for. And they absolutely do. They seem to have that nice schedule runway to get them into the postseason. And honestly, you do make a point they have to clinch the spot here, but it feels more and more like they are set up to be the one or the two. And it'll be interesting to see how that winds up shaking up. Before we move on to the next league, which will probably be the Pioneer League, uh, I do want to just take a second just to quickly, quickly, uh, drag the Windy City a little bit. They deserve to be dragged when you lose two in a row and give Empire State their first series win. I mean, the 10-4 loss is bad. That's embarrassing. That that's, it really is losing to a team that to that point only had three wins. 10-4, not great. But there's reasons that could be. But then losing the following night 3-2 and then requiring a walk-off win to avoid being swept by Windy City. That's just not a good look, guys. Uh, I don't really know what to tell you. Your season has not been great so far, and this may have been the uh, the worst part of it when you're down 3-1 going into the bottom of the ninth against a a team that really shouldn't even exist and, quite frankly, has just not been good at all. I mean, for the first five innings, you're getting three hit, too, so that's never a great start either. And well, that's some, a low bar. Yeah. Uh, teams that shouldn't exist. Not losing to bad teams, so we're losing now to teams that shouldn't exist. I mean, really, when you get down to it, should this team exist? No, I, I don't quite understand how you could manage to nearly be swept by this team. It's not this good of a team. I could understand being like getting a little bit of a scare in you, almost losing to them. Yeah, I could see that, but to to nearly be swept, uh, I don't know about that. Well, it makes sense that they're the, that they're in dead last in the West. Yeah. I mean, that's not that's not an accident. He, he clearly isn't. If these are the performances we're going to be seeing here, I mean, these are these are essentially layup win games, and you can't even close the door on them. But don't yeah, worry. It's they, like it, it's basically you know what I I, I I think we can compare games to Empire State. They're like free throws. They're yeah. like free throws in basketball, and because like it, honestly, like as long as you're like mentally into it and like. Uh, pretty confident you should be able to to hit the vast vast majority of them especially yeah. at like the college nba level uh so these against empire state as long as you're pretty much focused uh and and you keep everything the same and don't get sloppy like with your mechanics you should probably win so you know how, how do you like that analogy i think it's pretty spot on actually i think it's a very good analogy to be honest and then I didn't think about that way, but once you said, I was like, you know, you are right. Like, you should be able to knock down like a solid ninety-eight percent of your, or not ninety-eight, eighty-nine percent of your free throws. I think that's a very fair number. Be like, yeah, occasionally you're gonna miss one or two of them. That's gonna happen, but you shouldn't go to the line shooting three and walk away with one. That shouldn't happen. Well, then you'd be a bad free throw shooter in that sense, and then yeah. in which case for Windy City, both both bad free throw shooting teams are bad teams. It wasn't even like, okay, you switched the third one. It was like, oh, it just bounced off the rim. Is it going to roll like, in? rattles in. Yeah. Like, moves, like rolls, around the, rolls around the rim and uh, yeah. rolls in. Yeah, around the world and then it finally falls in. But Yeah. Yeah. I, I just had to mention that because, I mean, like, come on. These are wins you should have. Again, like, I'm not taking out on the players of that team, but, like, y'all know the circumstances and the hand you were dealt. 
I mean, it was never a positive one to begin with. So, uh, moving on, we'll go to the Pioneer League. This league, I will openly admit, we've had a harder time following. Not because it's hard to follow the Pioneer League in the sense that they don't put plenty of content out. They do a lot of very interesting things that I wish we could pay more attention to. It's just that they're all the way out west. So when their games are going on, I'm getting ready to go to bed because I have work in the morning most days. So I can't really spend time being up to like 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning watching Pioneer League Baseball. Uh, that's really more or less the handicap for this league. But that being said, we are going to try and say something intelligent about them. Uh, we'll kind of, I guess, just do a brief update of what was happening in the first half. And then where we are in the second half, first half, because they also do the half champion things. And then they do the complete clean slate. Basically, the exact thing that I complain about an awful lot in the uh, Atlantic League is what they do here, more or less. Uh, so we have Missoula. They won their division very handedly, 35 and 12 in the first half. And then Ogden won their division, 29 and 17 in the first half. Grand Junction finished second there. And why I'm mentioning that is going to be kind of important now because in the second half, Grand Junction has kind of just shot way up and taken a rather commanding lead so far through the first 14 games of the second half. They're two and a half up on everybody else, being the first team to hit double-digit wins in the second half at 10-4. and four. They look pretty solid on a four-game winning streak, 7-3 and three in their last 10. Uh, everybody else in that division is basically at 500, save Boise, who has just not really been killing the game as of recent. We'll leave it at that. Over in the North Division, everybody's 500 or worse, except for Missoula and Idaho Falls. The half game separates those two teams, so they are duking it out there. Uh, no real standout performances via the team front in the Pioneer League. Yeah, I think that, uh, I think one of the conclusions, at least, look, it's early in the second half, so it's hard to draw a lot of major conclusions. I mean, Grand Junction getting off to a hot start in the South Division is um, certainly very important for them as well. Uh, so to um, try and clinch that, uh, that second half title after coming up, short of that in the first half because of um, because of a really good Ogden team. Uh, but I will say, it looks like the Rocky Mountain vibes, since they kind of ditched their whole partnership thing, or not totally ditched it, but kind of changed it. Yeah. Uh, they've been a better baseball team. I think that that's a I think that's an interesting thing to point out as well. But uh, I think it's hard to draw a lot of conclusions about the second half just because it is so early. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I mean overall I mean, the Missoula Paddleheads wagon, they always are. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not really surprising when they went 35 and 12 uh, in the first half. So, I mean, goodness gracious. Like, they might be 8 and 5 right now, but I, something tells me that'll change. I mean, the Paddleheads, just an absolute wagon. That's, that's, that's the conclusion. Um, a very informed opinion. Yeah. Uh, Missoula, the, really, really good. Yeah, the monarchs of the uh, Pioneer League is what they are, it looks That's like. Fair. Uh, which I'm just going through individual stats now. But there's one guy on Grand Junction, Nico Popa. In 63 games, he's batting over 415. <laughs> well, that'll apply. That, that just seems like... Like, I don't look at the power number so much because, I mean, a lot of these teams are, like, they're up in the mountains. So, I imagine they don't really have humidors too much. But so. that's the reason you should look at it, Nick. Good point. That's literally the reason why you should. I mean, look at this guy, Jason Newman, three hitting three seventy six with 24 bombs and 56 games. Wait, what? I, I mean, sheesh. God, God, he's slugging nearly 750. I mean, this man's nearly hitting a homer every two games. There's so. several guys. There's four guys over 650 slugging. And Missoula has two of them. Yeah, you, we love offense in the in the Pioneer League. And it's not really... I mean, yeah, I'm sure the pitching isn't great. But, I mean, the atmosphere is there. I mean, the ball zooms. Yeah. Honestly, Jason Newman's stat line is just like so incredibly interesting to me. 24 home runs, 83 RBIs, 41 strikeouts. And he's got like, this is incredibly interesting to me. Looking at some of these stats now. Now I'm down the rabbit hole on it. And I know we don't really have too much time to do this. But like, 
how do you like the the one guy that's probably the most interesting to me like i'm trying to find is i'm i can even go riley jepson i mean 10 home runs to only 25 strikeouts and he's slugging nearly 700 so i mean like that's not bad at all I mean, average over 400 i mean i will say <clears throat> this kid jason newman i mean he he played Oh my, he played six seasons at Cal State Northridge. Uh, <laughs> granted, one was the pandemic year yeah. where they did that, so you can kind of throw that out. But, uh, I mean, he raked in the Pioneer League last summer, also played summer ball, put up, I mean, his, some of his Northwoods League numbers are off the rails. I mean, we're talking hitting over 400. I mean, like last year, this last year with Cal State Northridge hitting 392 with, with nine bombs. I mean, he seems like a player. I don't know. He, he might. Maybe he, he might be worth a an affiliated shot here at some point. I, I would have to think so. I, mean, I don't like, know much about him defensively. At the very least, I mean, there's definitely some teams across indie ball that can't hit right now. Honestly, the team like I'm looking here because we're probably swinging over to the American Association next. I'm looking at like Gary and Lincoln right now, and you guys are batting at 250 or lower. Y'all really could use a guy like Jason Newman, I'm thinking, who at the very least seems like he's going to be able to hit, like, probably like 250-ish. Do you be able to hit your team average in the American Association? Can you, can you do that, though? Can, like, a Frontier League or, like, an American they, Association? They, abso- like- they absolutely can. They just have to trade something for him. Which, again, if you're batting 245 as a team with, uh, let's see, I guess, swing back over to the other side of the page. So that might get, you know... I'm looking here. Guess how many home runs that Lincoln has? How many? 57 on the year through 72 games. Oh. Jason Newman could totally, like, um, this could be the Jason Newman episode, honestly. I mean, really, a, a new day for new man. Uh, but, like, oh. I, I still got it. But so We love we love Jason. This is a Jason Newman stand show. Yeah, you're going to wind up getting a Jason Newman jersey now. That's going to happen. That are like, one of those I'd shirts. Yeah, like throwing those shirts. Wait, what team? I just want to make sure I got it right. What team was he playing for again? Uh, pretty sure he's playing for Missoula. Yeah, Missoula Paddleheads. Surprise, okay. surprise. Oh, that, that explains that. Yeah. And also, like, there's not, I will say, the one thing is there's not too much speed in this league. Just compared across everywhere else where there's, like, teams stealing five bases in one night type of things. But Ben McConnell's got 31 stolen bases. Cameron Feltz got 30. I think that's Braden David, Braden Daniel. Okay, that's an, I. Oh no, Daniel's a fairly normal last name. I guess Chase Daniel too, best quarterback ever. Chase Daniel, uh, Nico Popa, <laughs> my guy that I mentioned earlier, that's batting nearly four twenty, got twenty stolen bases too. But yeah, like honestly though, I'm looking across the board here, and again, like these numbers you probably got to take with a grain of salt, if for no other reason than it's like. All right, the pitching's probably not great. I've seen some really high numbers still out of the Pioneer League, although much better from last year. Still, they're kind of high. Is uh, How's that offense, really, between the pitching, the altitude, all these other factors, of course. But that said, if you're batting in 400 just by any league other than, I'd say, maybe the Pecos League, because it's the Pecos League, you can't trust it, then... You know, you're probably a good hitter. If you're hitting 23 home runs in a league that plays in actual ballparks and stadiums and is an actual functioning league, then you're probably a good home run hitter. So, like, there's definitely guys here that could probably get a chance, and I'd be very interested to see that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think there's definitely some guys that can, that can hold their own. I think that's the next step for the Pioneer League is what kind of... um uh, what can they uh, kind of supply a lot of the other indie leagues and other uh, MLB organizations? Now, that's how you really establish your your name as a uh, as a league. So I think that I think that's going to be the interesting thing to watch. But uh, I mean, Jason Newman, we love Jason Newman for sure. Absolutely there. And I will say one last thing and a slight critique on the Pioneer League. I'm trying to do the same thing we just did. For pitchers, for hit, or well, for hitters, for hit, pitching rather. I'm looking at pitchers. You only got four listed here, and um, I don't think you only had four pitchers pitch this year. If you did, then that explains an awful lot about the offense. But uh, yeah, overall, I I just would like to be able to see more pitchers. But although one dude threw about 
64 innings is averaging almost 10 strikeouts per nine. So that's pretty wow. cool. That's cool. Yeah. Allowed 10 home runs in uh, about 11 appearances and has an I mean, over five year rate. Right? So, like, here's the thing like, I see like an ERA of five and I'm like, yeah, but this league does have a lot of offense. So that's not terrible. Yeah. I mean, honestly, oh no, five runs a game. No, I don't play for that. Yeah. I mean, just think about it. Like, I, I w- you can almost compare it in some senses to like, the way like numbers were up now actually no maybe college baseball is a bit of a saying comparing it to college baseball in the sense of like the amount of runs that are scored is a little bit of a stretch yeah uh, because i mean some of the numbers we saw in college baseball this year just off the rails with metal bats and stuff and that could be that could be a different rant for me in a whole nother day that's not mm. today uh yeah. that once once my season's over up here i can officially go on a rant about uh about college baseball and metal bats however uh i think that uh, I mean, five runs a game was not finally not bad at all. Yeah, and not terrible, not terrible at all. That and also attendance wise, there's some really strong numbers over here. Like, yeah, we're gonna dive more into the Pioneer League in a week where we have more time to dive into the Pioneer League. But it's just kind of fine to me. Like at the top, you have like teams averaging nearly four thousand a game, and more like thirty seven hundred a game. But even still, solid numbers, a couple over three thousand, and nearly half the league is approaching uh you know 2000 or more so not bad at all across the board that's pretty standard if not good then you have northern colorado which i understand just moved into the new ballpark i assume that's the reason why and they're calculating a bunch of different things here but it says 60 games played attended 1679 average attendance 62 oh i don't think that's true. yeah no i think it's a matter of like that's what they've had so far for games that are in Windsor in the brand new ballpark. And there's probably only been like maybe a series or two. I know they just started around the same time the first half started and they've only played about 14 games. So even let's just say for the sake of argument, there's been eight. That number's a lot different if it's eight. Now it's still not great if it's like two or three. I mean, like even still the total number, you'd like it to only be one game. So perhaps and most likely it just hasn't been updated yet, but the games gets updated. Something to that extent, I think it's probably just a clerical error. I very, very much have a hard time believing only 62 people are in attendance for these games. Oh, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, someone pointed out to me, but there's, I just have a very no hard time way. buying there's, it. There's no way. They yeah. Can't. Yeah. I'd, I'd be shocked if that were the case. So, uh, with that said, it is time to move to the aforementioned American Association where we've had some Frontier League level shenanigans and a haberdashery this week. Uh, Can you please spell haberdashery? This isn't a spelling bee, Will. I know, but I, see, when people use big words, I like to ask them to spell it. Haberdashery. Okay. Like, I've misused haberdashery too. It's more like a general store on like a path, but H A B. D E R, no wait, it won't be E R. D E R. Yeah, I was like, shit. Where's there an R? <laughs> Man, like now I'm gonna have to look this up. Have uh, dash the shenanigans. I wasn't that far off. Damn it. Oh, because I'm sure there's an R in there. There oh, is. Well, there is. There is. At the end. There. No, there is. This is how you spell haberdashery. H A B E R D A S H E R Y. Haberdashery? Yeah, haberdashery. Uh, okay, I guess I didn't hear the R's. I guess most people from Jersey don't say the R or something like that. I don't know. Ha- haberdashery? Yeah, that's how it is. Oh, huh. okay. And also, I was wrong in the meaning of it. I actually got this word entirely wrong. According to Google, it means men's clothing in North and accessories in North America. In Britain, it means small items used for sewing, such as buttons zippers and thread huh well now we know yep so to keep on that now the real question is can you work the word haberdashery into the title of the show we're going to try so either i gotta make this a jason newman focused title or a haberdashery focused title we're gonna figure it out and i'm those are big decisions i know and people will only know when they see the episode come out and they'll be very confused as to why Haberdashery's there, or Jason Newman's there. Yes. Um, but we all sort that out. In any case, as far as baseball goes, Lincoln's like nearly forfeited a playoff spot with a 
fairly, I don't want to say hot because they did just get swept by Fargo, but a Sioux City team that's gotten a lot better and is now a half game out of a playoff spot despite being nine games under 500. And in the East, um, the Doc has really, they just, they're not really succeeding. They're not living their best life right now with an eight game losing streak, but, uh, Cleveland's in a playoff spot now. That's good for them. The dogs have, uh, you know, they're cooling off a little bit here. Milwaukee's starting to get back into it, but they're still seven games back with about, oh, 18 to play, 19, or 28 to play, rather, my mistake, of course. Uh, but yeah, overall, uh, again, like I want to talk more about the American Association because I enjoy watching and I enjoy talking about it, but really the only division that seems interesting is the very top of the west division fargo kansas city and now i'm going to toss winnipeg in there too because winnipeg 10 games about 500 looking good of course two losses as of recent but even still uh they looked uh, fairly decent so far yeah winnipeg certainly not a team to sneeze at at all despite the fact of watching fargo moorhead and kansas city at the top like rock'em sock'em robots mm-hmm. uh just kind of continuing to punch back and having their standings, their place in the standings flipped. And now Fargo-Moorhead's in front. Uh, you could easily change four other times before the end of the season. I mean, and that's just, that's just how good those two teams are. I mean, Winnipeg's certainly not a team that you can count out in a playoff series either. Now, I think at the bottom of at the bottom of the West, while I think it's easier to talk about, like, wow, Lincoln just totally collapsed. And they, they are, or they're playing not great baseball. However, I do think we should get some credit to Sioux City, uh, yeah. who looked pretty much done and then like left for dead. Uh, but they have played much better baseball of late. Uh, they've put themselves right back into the position for a playoff spot. And they deserve a lot of credit for that. Uh, even though, even if that playoff spot is for nine games under 500. And if you were in the East, you would be in by a comfortable margin. Uh, that's, you know, that I'm not going to do another American association yes. playoff thing yes. because that's been overdone at this point. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the West of the top of the West Division, and uh, it's certainly, it's certainly really interesting. And of course, at the end of the day, like the those two teams, you would think are probably going to play in the postseason, and that's when ultimately the uh, the uh, the bout will be settled, and not just as far as. Uh, and of course, home field's important, so uh, I think that'll be something to look for, and also just getting the opportunity to pick who you want and like to avoid Winnipeg, I think, and especially in a best of three is very important because, Hey, upsets and best of threes happen all the time. Uh, so I think that, uh, that, that'll be something to watch out for as well. But I, I think Lincoln certainly in, when we, in a division, we thought we definitely knew the, the four playoff teams. Uh, at this point we do not. Yeah, very much agree on that. It does seem to be, you know, the East is whatever. I'm not even going to bother talking about the East. We know the top two teams there, and then everybody else is just going to kind of fall in line. But the West, I agree with giving Sioux City their credit, but Sioux City or Lincoln, let's be honest, just going to be like, ooh, congratulations, you made the postseason. You get to lose to one of Fargo-Moorhead or Kansas City. That's pretty much what it is. Of course, barring, you know, a huge push in these last 30 or so games from the Gold Ice, who I really do want to say have done a fantastic job really in the second half and a little before that even of making this big push to get into the fight, get really into this division. And it's kind of a shame that they're not in the East because if they were in the East, I'd be picking them to win it. It's just you have these two big juggernauts in front of you. Kansas City, I think, has been a bit fallible as of late. They've had moments where they lose to some teams they really should be beating. And it's not even like it's a big deal. They're playing like a baseball team, like a like a good baseball team would play. But it's just Fargo-Moorhead, they take advantage of those moments. Like Kansas City lost a couple to King County. Fargo responded by beating Sioux City and beating Lincoln. You know, they take advantage of the teams that they're given. So it is very interesting to see how this works out. And I think there is a, a very big advantage in being able to pick that fourth place team over Winnipeg because, I mean, if you're Fargo, you're like, hey, you know, we've been down this road with Winnipeg before. We know what they're about. We'd like to not play them. If you're Kansas City, you go, well, you know, we've had some suspect games here in the second half. Obviously, you're confident in your abilities, but at the same time, 
you'd like to not play a team that's probably the third or fourth best team in the league if you could avoid that. So I, I will say I think it's less home field and more just to pick your advantage. That's really going to be huge here in deciding everything out here. Uh, and again, like I agree with you, well, no, there's no more need for rants about this playoff system allowing too many teams in. It's just kind of like, okay, we're going to ignore everyone but the top two now. I think it's pretty much the best way of going about it. Save the West where Winnipeg's going to be in that discussion too. Right, exactly. And I think I would like to see Winnipeg in the East because I think if they were, I totally, totally agree with you that I would be picking them over Chicago, uh, despite the fact that Chicago's five games better than them, I think, at this point. About that, um, yeah. So I think that's uh, – Winnipeg is going to be a team to watch. I mean, this whole West Division playoffs, I think it's going to be really fun uh, to see – uh, one who gets that first seed and presumably, and I know like you're, you're picking your opponent, but like how much is there to really pick, to be honest with you? Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, this, this is not, especially, especially in the West and, and honestly in the, even in the East too, like the top seed, it's really not a decision. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I, I think that, um, I think that'll be something, that'll be something to watch for. Uh, and, uh, and, and Winnipeg, I can't wait to see whoever ends up finishing second in the West. I have no idea. I'm assuming that, you know, whoever wins does not pick Winnipeg because they won't. Uh, but I think that whoever whoever ends up finishing second in the West in that series against Winnipeg, I think it'll be really fun to watch because Winnipeg is a team that can absolutely um, make a play, make a run for that, and especially in a, in a best of three series. And I think that'll be, that, that makes what the American association really fun to watch and these playoffs really fun to watch. I think is that, um, is that, uh, something that you'll see from them. Imagine if they did take Winnipeg though. Just imagine. I mean, like, you would have to, you would have to be drug tested if you did that. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's playing the game on hardcore mode. That's like, yeah, if we can get through Winnipeg in round one, we're all good to go. We got no issues, but yeah, no, I, I can't see any scenario from which that makes sense doing that, but, Hey, weirder stuff's happened, right? That's true. Weirder, weirder stuff has indeed happened. Like this Barnstormers seven-game win streak. That's probably a bit weirder because they're just like, they're killing in the North. Like, I first heard, like, like last week we had this discussion where it was like, Southern Maryland just keeps beating Lancaster. So that's got to be an issue. But Lancaster just responds back seven in a row good to go keep it running in the south division everyone's kind of like not doing great save for Gastonia who's just continuing to be a tank of a team and probably going to win this league which is something I didn't expect to be saying coming into this season but yet here we are now and this whole team in the second half with just a mere single digit win total would be the high point rockers and I'm going to try to do my damnedest to avoid looking at the wild card standings because I know it'll just upset me. So looking at all that, still my favorite stat from the past week comes from actually last night in the Frontier or in the Atlantic League rather, <clears throat> which was the Fairy Hawks were shutting out and not well not shutting up, they were no hitting Lancaster and they were still managed to lose. Even if it would have rained out they would have lost. Yeah, the, which just shows as far as Lancaster and uh, and their their and how hot they are and how really stunning this is in the North Division is stunning enough that this is leading our Atlantic League discussion and not the team who's twenty three and five. I mean, <laughs> to, like, let's just throw that out there uh, <laughs> to to start with. Um, I think that I think when you look at um, and by the way, the wild card, uh, Kentucky is leading, uh, and it's looking more and more like there oh, will God. be one wild card team because the second wild card team, if you would like to know, uh, yeah. Nick, is the High Point Rockers. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's really I, good. I love uh, these two wild card teams so much. Yeah, and then uh, the Long Island Ducks would be a game back. Oh, good. They deserve it too. They really yeah. do deserve it. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely do. Uh, but I think that, I mean, the Barnstormers, honestly, I they're a team that, and of course, you know, Kelly Dugan certainly deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, but I think specifically uh, when you look at really what has fueled uh, this stretch for the Barnstormers, I mean, 
it's because usually with barnstormer teams, it's uh, it's the offense really leading the way. But to be honest with you, uh, pitching is significantly improved for them. I mean, we we made fun of them plenty last year, uh, but I, I think. I mean, Team ERA check, 4.57, not bad. Barnstormers, oh, not bad. Very good. So it's not it's not that they've really been dominant in any facet, but um, well, their pitching is significant, significantly improved uh, and has, I think, fueled a lot of this. And you would think that the Barnstormers, hey, look where they play. And their offense has been good. Let's not, let's not uh, push that to the side. But I think that uh, specifically you, you got to look at the pitching end of things and the improvements they've made. And that's why they're in the position that they're in. Yeah. I mean, you're just, they're playing complete team baseball. Like that's how you're going to have to win, which I will say about that, uh, you know, tank of a team in Gastonia that we didn't mention. They're at 220 stolen bases this year, just lamping the field and likely breaking an Atlantic league record too, by the way, just, we got to toss that out there. But yeah, overall looking at Lancaster, I see exactly what you're saying. It, it's not really like they're eye popping in any category, but they're never like, oh wow, this is terrible and going to hold them back in any category either right now. Like they're doing, they're playing the baseball they need to play, which oh my god, Gastonia with the three seventy three team uh, ERA too, good for them. Ten ten shutouts too. Okay, I didn't realize that that much, but uh, yeah, yeah, they're. they're- I mean, because to be honest with you, I think you look normally, uh, you look normally and you're like, oh, Daryl Thompson has 10 shutouts in here. But yeah. uh, no, it's actually got the Gastonia Honey Hunters, which, wow, surprise, surprise. Yeah, like good for them. I'm happy for them, you know, like, and like, I don't mean to steer it away from Lancaster because I know that was where we were discussing, but I mean, they're, they're a good team. They're 1-7 and they're probably going to win this division. I hope they do because I'd like to see them get in. At least if we're doing the half champions, let's get different half champions. Obviously, that's not happening in the South. I mean, it would take a lot for Gastonian to to not win this now. But that said, talking Gastonia, and I know I keep saying this every week, but every week it's just more and more true, which is I can't believe the turnaround on this team. I really can't. Like they've gone unlike anything we've ever seen. I think. Yeah, like we we had never seen something. We have players jumping ship, deliberately avoiding Gastoni, staying clear. We had, you know, we we knew that there was like some really questionable stuff happening, especially involving pitchers and their arms and their using, you know, like their their usement or their uh, how much they're playing, how they were used, that kind of thing. We knew all that kind of thing, and for them to just completely turn around, turn into a juggernaut of a ball club, and to do that. With pitching and just like this small ball, get on base, steal a bunch of bases and run up the score like that style. It's just like such a total 180 that it's it's so hard for me to see it. And it's just like such a great success story for me. Like I just I just so hung up on that. I don't know why I am, but I just really am. Well, it's a huge story. I mean, we really I don't think we've seen a turnaround like that especially in a team in their inaugural season that had so many issues uh, and just the turnaround that they've had uh, has been, has been nothing short of incredible, honestly. So, uh, I mean, the, the front office there and the coaching staff deserve a ton of credit uh, because I mean, they've totally, they've changed their philosophy. They've, ch- they've changed everything. They've changed how they recruit players. I mean, wow. Uh, it's the fact that they've, they've went from, a team that nobody wanted to play for to a team that is by far, by far the best team in the Atlantic league. And that's, that's an unbelievable turnaround for them. It really is. It's, it's remarkable in every sense there, which I will, uh, I think we've done enough on each of the league so far. So we'll probably just chalk it up there, but I do want to end on one quick note here because I, while we've been doing these last couple of leagues, I've been looking across the, uh, Missoula Paddleheads website and I'm desperately trying to find a t-shirt or a jersey or something that has uh, Jason Newman's name on it and uh, I can't find it and so that's it that that's something that's going to need to be corrected Uh, I don't know who I have to speak to to get that corrected but we are going to need some Newman jerseys or at the very least shirts 
Uh, and we're going to need that uh, expedited uh, as well there. Although I will say this Missoula Timberjacks throwback jersey, really nice. I really dig it. I I think uh, they got we we got to get some Jason Newman merch. Absolutely. Which also, well, I got to be honest. I'm thinking this uh, Timberjacks uh, cap here that I'm looking at. I yeah. think it would work well for you because it almost looks like from a distance like a Celtics hat. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. We could be talking. Yeah, and I'm going to send this to you, and okay. uh, you can tell me what uh, what you think of that in a minute. But uh, whilst I'm doing that, I guess we go to the plug, so that way we can get out of here in a timely manner this week. If you want to follow the show, you could do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You could do so on Instagram at ALPB underscore news and at IndieBallReport on Instagram as well. You can find just about every episode of the show and the show notes, which links everything we talked about today on the website, IndieBallReport.com. If you want to find the show elsewhere on your preferred podcatcher, let's say, you could do that on TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Podomatic, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and just about any podcatcher out there that has most uh, podcasts on it. We're on all the major ones and some of the minor ones as well. So be sure to rate, review, and subscribe if you can. I'm going to send you the link to that hat. And in the meanwhile, do you have anything else left to add? The only thing I have to add is Juan Soto is now a San Diego Padre. I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I, I, the only analysis I have to add to that is, I mean, can you, assuming that the Padres attempt to extend Soto and will, I mean, how about a Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr. core for the next 13 to 15 years? And, uh, at Petco Park in San Diego. I mean, that's as great as the Dodgers are. I mean, the Dodgers Padres rivalry, especially when Tatis gets back, is going to be insane. It's going to be crazy. Oh, so, so uh, Tatis and Machado, there's your uh, big three. That's not too bad. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. Not a bad team. Not a bad way to build your team around. So I think that's super exciting. Yeah. Like, I mean, that that is a huge core. It's just that's going to cost a lot of money. So you better. Oh, well. You better be damn certain that's going to work out for you oh yeah yeah so i just sent you the hat and i'm going to dedicate what time i have in this bit to see what you have to say about this hat because i'm very curious you got a link and then i'm sending you a screenshot too of it i'm not sure if that's sent yet or not all right load it up load it up oh there we go screenshot just came through oh it does that is a pretty sick hat yeah they have another look like a celtic lover you're right yeah they have another one that is basically not like the, I guess, the snapback kind of version, just like a regular uh, soft top hat. So I'm not yeah. sure what the preference is there, but you have options. I do. That, that, that's a good looking hat, I have to say. Honestly, I'm liking this even more. I'm looking through some of their stuff. They got this cozy that looks like pretty awesome. It looks like a vintage beer can almost. I'm, you know, I'm digging a lot of this Missoula stuff. I may be spending money on Missoula stuff. I'm not going to lie to you. There's the pioneer, pioneer league content that people have craved. I mean, they, they really are craving. Honestly, and like this First Nations Native American looking shirt too is pretty cool. You know, honestly, they got some cool looking merch. I never really looked too far into this, but like, I'm probably going to want to buy something from them. Love this. Like, go paddleheads. Yeah, really. Go paddleheads. We're going to say screw the impartiality. What are we, professionals here? No, not at all. Yeah, so, like, whatever. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna keep looking at this merch while I edit this episode. And uh, until next time, uh, y'all can play ball. <laughs> <laughs>